Welcome to Word Birds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris. Hello and welcome to Word Birds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, we have Monique Hayward. Monique is Senior Director and Ecosystem Lead for Business Applications Marketing at Microsoft. We're going to talk a little bit today about how partner content really drives the partner channel. We're going to talk about simplicity, specifically how simplicity drives value in content creation. We're going to talk about storytelling and how great storytelling can drive business results. So let's go ahead and sit back and get some insight from the flock. All right, here we are today with Monique Hayward. Monique, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's lovely to be here. I appreciate the invitation. I am excited to talk about what you do. So being in charge of ecosystem marketing for the partner program at Microsoft Dynamics, I believe you said, I wonder, in the scope of partner programs, there's so much content, content from every angle and every type of content being pushed out to fuel this content community. One of the things that you like to talk about is simplicity, creating simplicity in communications feels like those two things don't go together. What does simplicity mean in context of what you do at Microsoft? Sure. So thank you so much for that great introduction. I am really keyed into simplicity as a foundational concept for me and my marketing team at Microsoft. And that is because for the reasons that you just described, right? We are just inundated with all kinds of content, all kinds of messages, all kinds of calls to action, right? That we have to constantly reconcile in terms of the priority and whether or not it's really going to our partners in a way that's going to deliver some fantastic impact for their businesses. And so when I think about simplicity, I think about three things. I think about one, the clarity of the message, mm-hmm. two, how compelling it is, and number three, how actionable it is. And so if I can really get some momentum around those three key tenets for how I think about the way that I want to communicate with my partner ecosystem, then the better off my team and I will be in terms of how much impact we can have for them in their businesses. So is there one version, one governance model for clarity for your audience, or do you have to think through multiple clarity models? Yeah, I have to think through, I think, multiple ways of how to focus on simplicity because the business itself is complex, right? So Dynamics 365 and Power Platform, what we call business applications software. And that's essentially the backbone, if you will, of how to run an enterprise. And so if you think about everything from your customer relationship management, your sales, your supply chain, your human resources, right? All that entire supply chain business process layer software is not easy to grok, right? And it's just complex by definition. And so in order for us to create those value propositions for our partner community around such complex digital transformation types of that they are embarking on with their customers to deliver solutions that are going to advance their businesses, We really do need to ensure that we have the opportunity to think about it in a way that is not going to overcomplicate something that's already complicated. And in every meeting that I'm in at Microsoft, I'm not a long time person. I actually worked at Intel for 22 years prior to coming to Microsoft. 
And one of the things that we do in high technology, just as that's just indicative, I think it's just part of our DNA because we have so many brilliant, innovative, technical geniuses who create these products and solutions for broad market deployment that we just constantly have to rein it in a little bit to ensure that people can really understand what it is that we're trying to deliver. I think that's just part and parcel of the business that we just have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And those of us on the inside who actually have the background and the expertise in marketing and communications and other disciplines that value clarity, simplicity, and a direct call to action are constantly at odds with at odds with the tendency of those forces to want to just continue to pile on and add more complexity to things. Yeah, just the complexity of who you're talking to, because it's not one persona. You're talking to right. developers with some of your content, to marketers with other part of content, to the sales organizations, communicate the same way. The tone of voice that you use with a marketing person is distinctly different than the tone of voice that you use with a developer. I feel, right. which yes. creates another level of complexity on top of that. It's not just consistency of language. How do you engage with these audiences? Exactly. And then with my job in particular, I've got partners with whom I'm engaged and communicating with and interacting with. And so they're actually in between me and the end customer, right? Mm. That just creates all kinds of fun and interesting dynamics to use upon. <laughs> <laughs> So with, <laughs> it actually wasn't intended, <laughs> but so perfect with yes. the simplicity that you're trying to build in. How do you measure that it's working? How do you know that simplicity is working with your audience? That's a really good question because I've only been in my job right now for about a year. And this has been a journey that I've been on with my team. First of all, just to understand where we are in terms of our marketing and communications platform that we have in place with our partners. And so I started out with just getting a handle on where we were and understanding our opportunities. And so what I did when I first started actually was reach out to our partner advisory council. So we actually have a couple of partner advisory councils, I should say, one for the independent software vendor ISV side of our business and the other for system integrator or SI side of our business. And we have about 25 partners on each of those councils. So I personally picked up the phone and reached out to those 50 people to introduce myself and to get feedback from them on where Microsoft is in terms of our partnership with these partners, what kinds of programs have been working, what kinds of messaging lands well with them and that kind of thing. And what I found was that, like you said at the beginning, they're just overwhelmed, right? There's so many things that are coming at them, not just from Microsoft, right? Because they actually do business with other companies, mm -hmm. shall we say, in this space. And so what they really want from us is predictability, like we said, simplicity. They want to be able to count on us for bringing them into a conversation at the right time on the journey that they're on with their customers. So I think the other thing too that I have found in terms of what's really working and what's not working is the more that we can really focus on putting ourselves in the shoes of the partner and the opportunities that they are facing and the challenges that they are dealing with, the more empathy, if you will, that we can demonstrate in that conversation, the better off we'll be. And so from there, I have been moving in the direction of more formalizing strategies and plans and execution around programs in the spirit of that feedback that we got in those conversations and beyond in the year since I've been in the role. 
So that's one thing. The second thing too, in terms of measurement that I've been thinking about as we get our more formalized plans in place, is the back to basics KPIs from back in the day. Are we actually generating the awareness that we want to generate with our partners around the value that we are delivering to them in this ecosystem that they participate in order to advance business applications in the industry? So are we creating that, what our CMO, Chris Capicella at Microsoft likes to call brand love? Are we creating that affinity with our partners? Are they choosing Microsoft first? How do we get some metrics around that, that positive perception that they wake up every day and go, the first thing that I'm going to do is in support of me and my business and how that's going to help with the work that I'm doing with Microsoft. And then I think the third big area that I want to focus on is thought leadership. I think a lot of times in a really competitive space, we haven't been as vocal and we haven't been as forthright in talking through our leadership in the industry on business applications and how that really does accrue to goodness for our partners and goodness for our customers. And that thought leadership can be the fun part of the content too, because you're trying to, that's the storytelling. That's the attraction. That's the top of funnel bringing in partners to show them why Microsoft. That's got to be where your creativity comes out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then we have a lot of opportunities to tell better stories. In fact, I was having a conversation with my manager recently about how we need to become better storytellers for a couple different reasons. One, like we're just describing the thought leadership aspect of it. But two, again, it goes back to the simplicity and the clarity of the message, right? Because the more that we can actually deliberate in terms of the stories that we're trying to tell that really are those transformational messages, those stories that really move the business, customer engagement, figuring out where people have done something cool and amazing with our technology, because it's not about the technology for technology's sake. It's about what it is that it actually enables for people at the end of the day. It must be, I would say, measurably easier for Microsoft to get case studies from customers and partners than it is for a company like mine. <laughs> measurably? It's a challenge in every contract negotiation. either now, Chris. Come on now. <laughs> I feel like when Microsoft calls and says, we would really like to do a target video with you to talk about how successful you are, that resonates more than when I call. I think maybe just a little bit though, but it still is hard for us, right? Because people are, they always want to know what's in it for them, right? It's a a partnership is all about one plus one is greater than three. And, and a lot of times the partners have just as much, if not more leverage in that conversation than we do, even though we, a lot of assets and a lot of credibility and a lot of big brand sense and sensibility that we bring to the conversation. No, absolutely. (laughs) It definitely comes with a position of power coming from Intel or Microsoft and having, building this framework out. But I think it also starts, you have decades of experience making this happen and being able to walk into a business like Microsoft, the framework that you bring with you to be able to put this in motion. Is there a sort of a top five things that you think of that need to happen as you walk in the door to either turn this on or improve this process at a company like Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting question, Chris, because like I said, I'm relatively new to my role. And every time that I have taken a new position, I have had kind of that 30, 60, 90 day plan that we're all taught to have, not to 
disturb the groove too much in the first 90 days in order for you to gain an understanding of what's going on in the understanding the capabilities of the team establishing rapport, creating credibility, looking for the low-hanging fruit, quick wins, those kinds of things. I think I take into every opportunity that I have to start new with a, a new team or a new position. Yep. I think from a top five perspective, there are things that I look at very closely that I think indicative of the way that I like to just be effective and efficient at what I do because I just don't like a lot of foolishness. <laughs> I don't like a lot of foolishness. And, and I'm also a get it done kind of girl. Want to get work done. I don't like a lot of drama. I don't like a lot of crazy. I don't like a lot of, like I said, foolishness, right? I mean, I got to hang on to this job and it's got to be fun. <laughs> and it's got to be something that I'm motivated and passionate about coming and doing every day. And so those five things I think are, where can we be most effective and most efficient in how we create our vision, our strategy, and our execution plans? And that, number two, leads into how I visualize our operating model. And I don't want to get too technical about operating models and all that stuff, but it really is about how we do the work. And are we set up for success? Am I leaning in with the right skill sets? Am I leaning in with the right opportunities for people to do their best work. Number three, can I create an environment where people can bring their whole selves to work, where they are doing the work that they want to be doing, not just because they're getting paid to do it, because they feel like they've got a higher purpose in doing that work. Number four, can I actually be the leader that my team wants me to be for them? I really do think a lot about my role in creating that space for people to just do their jobs. I'm by no means anybody's micromanager. I just told somebody yesterday, in fact, one of my employees, if I am doing your job, something's wrong. In fact, it was, it was a conversation about a career development conversation. Yeah. And, and we were just talking about how we're going to you know, put the plans in place for this particular employee to get to the next level, because that's what this person aspires to at the company. And we were talking about where this person can have more impact and where he can have more opportunities to get more visibility and exposure in the organization and bring all of those great superpowers that the person has to really lend more credibility to himself and the team. And, and so we were just in this conversation about how I am just nobody's micromanager and I trust my teams to show up and do the job that they are being paid to do, much less being asked to do and want to do. And then I think the fifth thing is just being true to myself and being true to the reasons why I want to continue to hustle and continue to grow as a leader, as a professional, as a marketer, as an entrepreneur, right? Th those are the, the basket, if you will, of the five things that I bring to the cause, marketing in the best way that I possibly can. It sounds reminiscent of a book that I believe is out there called Get Your Hustle On, also written by somebody with your exact name. Is I that, think there might be. Yeah. So yeah, thank you very much basis. for bringing that up. That was a great way to segue into this girl being an author. Yeah. Being a speaker, being an entrepreneur. My last book that I wrote is called Get Your Hustle On. It's not just about building. It's not just about a job, but building a rewarding career. And that book was born out of a lot of conversations that I have had over the years as a mentor, as a coach, as a sponsor of people up and coming in their careers. 
And I found you probably find this too with the folks who you mentor and who you coach as well, that you find yourself kind of saying things over again. And it's just in a different context or with a little more specificity, depending on the situation and the person who you're mentoring or coaching or having these conversations with. And I found just in a position where I was being asked to deliver these messages about how to be successful in your career. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm saying it too much and I probably should just put it in a book. And that's what I did. That's perfect. And that's a great example of the type of actionable content that we're talking about here. People don't come out and look for your company when they search on the internet. That's not a thing. We do get a lot of organic branded traffic, but that's some people trying to solve problems. People are trying to solve problems by searching for an answer to their problem and by putting content out there in any form. But specifically right now, we're talking about a book that isn't, it's not selling anything. It's just providing guidance. It's providing assistance. Actionable content is what moves all of the needles for us. And when you think about the measurement of that, the measurement of your book would be the ability for people to be successful. The measurement for our marketing content at Microsoft goes all the way through to revenue. The content that your team creates, drives partner relationships, ends up in the long run driving revenue because if partners are successful, they're driving your business. Exactly. We have some really bold, even at Microsoft, right, which is hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue, one of the biggest companies in the world, one of the most highly valued companies in the world, we still are chasing pretty ambitious growth targets. And particularly in our business, because it's hard in a big company of Microsoft to find where that next high growth opportunity is, double digit growth year over year. It's hard to find that the bigger you get. And so in our business, yes, we are growing at double digits. The bar is high. And yeah, so everything that I'm doing with my team, especially as we look at our objectives and key results for this fiscal year, how do we look at the influence that we have on revenue. So that's one of my key targets because we don't, of course, generate revenue ourselves, but we influence revenue. Where do we have the opportunities to drive partner co-selling with our field, right? That's another number. Where do we actually have the opportunity to influence how partners are increasing their capacity so that they can take on more business? The war for talent is real. And there is a shortage, as we all know, of tech workers that's been predicted for years and years, right? And that is having a huge impact on our ability to continue to grow this business. So how can we actually put more butts in seats at our partners' companies so that they can continue to innovate on Dynamics 365 and Power Platform for Microsoft? That's a a huge opportunity for us. So how, yeah, what is the story that we're telling about talent acquisition and retention and development. What's the story that we're telling about skilling? So I'm very involved. You would think that from a marketing standpoint, I would not care that much about what my partners or my internal partners, I should say, in worldwide learning are doing, but hell yeah, I'm absolutely concerned and involved and directly engaged in that conversation and helping and investing with them on these programs that help our partners with their capacity. So yeah, so those are three big areas where we're absolutely leaning in from partner marketing perspective to ensure that, yeah, we have that North Star as revenue growth right there front and center. I don't know why it never struck me the way that you just said it, but this isn't just a responsible for Microsoft things job. You're responsible for helping find the 
people that can be trained on Microsoft products that will eventually work at a partner that will enable Microsoft's mind blown. Yeah. There's a lot going on in your world. There's a lot going on there. Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's, and that's the beauty of ecosystem that's thriving. And that's the beauty of an ecosystem that is providing value to all of its participants. I think that there's wisdom in ensuring that has the opportunity to engage where they see they've got the most value that they can deliver whether it's Microsoft or whether it's a partner. And we definitely look at it holistically, which is unusual, I think, in a lot of partner marketing constructs. Certainly is, but it makes sense because like you said, one of the biggest companies in the world that is largely driven and measured on ability to be successful with partners. I feel like maybe you must be second in command behind the CEO. No. Sati and I on a first name basis. No, haven't even met the CEO of Microsoft. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm sure when he hears me on this podcast, he's going to be like, "Yeah, girl, keep doing it because it. that Microsoft I did, Dynamics." I didn't even know. <laughs> I need to meet her. Business is awesome. Please. <laughs> exactly, Monique. Thank you for being on the show. This was amazing. If people want to get in touch with you, follow up on those five steps. Understand simplicity. What's the best way to reach you? Sure. The best way to reach me is at my website, which is moniquehayward.com. And all of my links to my socials and my email and everything is right there. So feel free to reach out. Lovely to hear from anyone who thought that this was valuable and important and relevant to the jobs that they're doing in their marketing and communications abilities day to day. Excellent. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by Acrolinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes at acrolinks.com slash wordbirds. If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com. That's all for now. See you next time.